Great. Well, uh, good evening. Uh, I hope you're uh, recovering from uh, your travels. Um, yeah, our title is uh, The Church as Community. And uh, I thought I'd begin just by uh, getting you maybe just to sort of twizzle around uh, and talk to the uh, sort of uh, just the cluster of people around you and say, what are your hopes for the weekend? That's the first thing. And then, uh, what positive things do you associate with the word church? And what negative things maybe do you associate with the word church? Okay? Is that clear? Three things? Go. Okay, let's, uh, let's come back together. Now this is always uh, a scary bit for uh, a speaker, but uh, what are your hopes for the weekend? <laughs> just want to just shout some of them out. Some of the maybe you don't have to shout your own. To shout somebody, something somebody said in your group, and I'll tell you whether you're likely to get there. <laughs> okay, yeah, good one to get to know people that I don't know. Yeah. Swim in the sea, a brave man. I've brought my swimming trunks, so I may be joining you. We'll see. I'll have to get a little bit warmer before I'm uh, persuaded in. Yep. To be challenged, okay. To become more of a family. Okay, good one. Like it. Anybody else? Yeah. Okay, that's great. Uh, did everybody hear that? Something, just a sense of God speaking to us through, not just through me, but actually through every, through, as, a, as a community. Let's model what we are going to be talking about. That would be great, wouldn't it, if, uh, if that happens. Uh, okay, what were some of the positive associations you have with church? Just shout them out. Don't be uh, reticent. Just uh... Fellowship. Welcoming, loving, accepting. What a great church you have. <laughs> I think my, my work here is done. <laughs> uh, yeah, keep going. Family. Uh, what about some negatives? Instant coffee. <laughs> note that down as an action. <laughs> Any other? Struggling to stay awake. Uh, let's see what we can do about that this weekend. Established church. Yes. Yeah, think of the word a bit more. You think of the word more broadly. So it doesn't have to be a comment on uh, your particular church. I'm sure it's perfect in every way. 
Sorry? Unwelcoming. Okay. Disconnection from the real world. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. Great. Well, our theme, as I said, is the church as a community. And some of you, I suspect, are uh, quite excited by the idea of uh, the church as community. You have high ideals. You kind of want to uh, recreate what was going on in the New Testament in some way. Or uh, maybe kind of revive some of the dreams you had when you were younger. Um, But I wonder if for some of you the idea of church as community sounds a bit odd or even a bit threatening. Uh, You want a meeting on Sunday mornings with some singing and a good sermon. But you don't really want other people intimately involved in your life. It feels a bit intrusive. Uh, Besides, you can manage okay on your own. Or uh, I wonder if some of you, the idea of church as community is a bit of a joke. Because in the past, you have been hurt by conflict in the church. I suspect all of us have been hurt by other Christians at some point. And for some, that hurt might run very deep. Uh, we're going to be looking, as we said already, uh, dipping in and out of the book of Ephesians. Uh, look at the last two verses of Ephesians chapter 1. Peter, can you um, click the button? There we go. Uh, and God placed all things under his, that's Christ's feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And uh, I want you to notice a couple of amazing statements there that Paul makes about the church. First of all, he says the church is the fullness of Christ. Uh, But actually, he says, uh, the church is the fullness of, of him who fills everything in every way. So Christ fills everything but only the church is his fullness. Do you get that? I mean, I don't, don't ask me quite how that all fits together. Just, just be amazed at what an astonishing statement that is. Christ fills everything. He is everywhere. And yet, in some special sense, the church is his fullness. And then it also says that uh, the church is the body of Christ. But again, notice that Christ is said to be head over everything. Uh, God appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. So Christ is the head over everything, but again, in some special sense, only the church is his body. Well, those are two amazing statements about the church, aren't they? And that's fine in theory, isn't it? But what about Magdalen Road? It may be true of some ideal community somewhere, But is your congregation the fullness of Christ and the body of Christ? And uh, I'm sure some of you will have seen this before, uh, this little saying, to dwell above with saints we love will be eternal glory. To dwell below with saints we know, well, that's another story. And I'm sure to some extent some of you can relate to that kind of experience. And so uh, I thought it might be a good opportunity, how are we going for time, just to uh, take a moment to pray. Uh, In fact, if you just click on 
then you'll find out what to pray for. That's clever, isn't it? Pray for God's blessing on the weekend. Pray for open hearts. And pray perhaps particularly for people who come with fears or hurts uh, to the weekend. Now, how should we do that? Why don't why, we, a couple of, two or three people brave enough just to stand up and pray for some of those things? Let's do it that way. Okay? So you'll have to shout loudly because so everyone can hear, but that'd be great. Uh, well, let's dive into uh, the book of Ephesians. Our uh, theme for this evening uh, is a community of grace. And uh, I'll comment on why that's where we're beginning uh, as we go through. But let's uh, begin by reading, uh, and I'll read from uh, the beginning of the book of Ephesians. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, 
the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times have reached their fulfilment to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Uh, Now, uh, Peter, can you knock us on? Uh, What I want you to do, just twizzle into those groups again. Uh, Paul says there that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. And what I want you to do is just to look through the passage we've read, look at the times it says, in Christ or through Christ, and uh, use those to kind of list some of the blessings that Paul identifies as ours in Christ. Okay? Is that clear? In Christ or through Christ, there's a whole sort of uh, series of things that, that are ours, uh, blessings that are ours because we are in Christ or, be, or come through Christ. Okay? Go. Okay, let's come together. I'm not going to go through and uh, sort of take feedback. You'll have a chance in uh, your quiet time tomorrow to uh, reflect a little bit more on, uh, on those blessings. Uh, I just want to focus on one blessing. It's, it's such a rich passage. I'm just going to take one dimension and just talk about that for a moment. Paul says that we are adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Now let me read from Ephesians, the beginning of Ephesians 2. Uh, and I'm going to read from the ESV because it will bring it out. Just, uh, just listen and, and look for what our natural parentage is. Okay? Who are our parents by nature, as it were? I don't mean your mum and dad, but you'll, you've got the idea. Uh, this is how Paul begins Ephesians chapter 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. What were we by nature? We were sons of disobedience and children of wrath. You see that? That is our natural parentage. Uh, Paul says there that we lived in the passions of our flesh. We were ruled by the desires of body and mind. Now that's not how we like to think about ourselves, is it? People who, are, who, are, uh, who live according to the passions of our flesh. Uh, I want you to uh, come with me uh, through the keyhole uh, to my study at 7.30 in the morning. Uh, what you see there is you, you see me sitting in my armchair reading my Bible or praying calm, collected, peace with God and the world. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I am the picture of godliness. 
but if you hang around for another half hour to eight o'clock, when I'm trying to get my two girls out of the house in time to catch the bus to school, it's a very different picture. I'm frustrated and cross and angry and my voice is getting raised. And, uh, you know, they're not ready. They're arguing with each other. They're ignoring what I say. I'm getting angry and so it goes on. My heart's desire, those passions of my flesh, for a nice, calm, controlled life have just kind of collided with two girls who have completely, uh, a completely different agenda. And what I've come to realise is that the real me... See, I used to think the real me was the me in my study at 7.30. And it was my girls' fault that I got sort of all wound up half an hour later. I've, discovered, I've begun to realise that the real me is the 8 o'clock version. Because what happens is my, the girls expose the, the passions of my flesh, the desires of my heart. Those idolatrous desires for, to be in control instead of trusting God's control. To have the respect of my children. That's who we are. We are children of disobedience. And we are children of wrath. We are part of the human race under God's judgment. And, uh, but uh, that is of course not the full picture God looked on us and what he felt was anger but also God looked on us and what he felt was love and so Ephesians goes on verse 4 but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace you have been saved and Christ raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Could you just... Uh, oh, sorry. No, go back. Sorry. There we are. Uh, God's, we see there God's great love, his rich mercy, his incomparable grace his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And then twice in this passage, Paul says, it is by grace you have been saved. And so I come back to the idea of adoption. In Roman culture, an, an adult who wanted someone to kind of carry on the family name could adopt an heir. Uh, in our culture, we usually adopt babies. But in their culture, in, in Roman culture, an adopting father would choose a young man with good character to continue the family name, often a slave. But it was someone who had kind of proved themselves to be a kind of worthy heir. And, uh, and then the new heir, whatever their background, enjoyed all the benefits and privilege, privileges of being a son. They had a right to the inheritance of their new father. Now our adoption as Christians is in some ways similar to Roman adoption. We have a relationship of a child to their father. We have the rights of children. We will receive an inheritance. We have received, Paul has already said, the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing that inheritance. But our adoption is also radically different from Roman adoption. We are not chosen when we have proved ourselves. We were chosen, Paul says, before the creation of the world. We are not chosen because we are of good character or even the good character we might develop. 
We are chosen despite our bad character. It is all by God's grace. In June 2000, convicted murderer Gary Graham was put to death by lethal injection after last-minute moves by his lawyers had failed. And the journalists who were there as eyewitnesses say he fought against his fate to the very end. He had obviously been subdued after a struggle as they carried him into the execution room. The execution uh, in Texas was put back three hours while lawyers appealed to the US Supreme Court for clemency. That was denied. And then the, the the then Texas governor, now President Bush, refused to grant a pardon. He said, after considering all the facts, I am convinced justice is being done. May God bless the victim, the family of the victim, and may God bless Mr. Graham. He was sentenced to death for shooting a man in a week-long rampage of robbery, rape and theft. Now I want to just highlight three truths that I think that story helps us see. First of all, God has pardoned us. He has given us clemency. There we are, sort of convicted. Uh, sons of disobedience, children of wrath, but God has granted us clemency. But secondly, God has also done justice. In the cases, uh, in those kinds of cases, governors always have to weigh up the claims of the victim and the claims of the guilty. And they kind of, in effect, have to choose between them. Imagine a governor who said, my son and I have agreed, we will pardon Gary Graham And to ensure justice is done, my son will die in his place. God the Father says, my son and I have agreed. We will pardon Tim Chester. And to ensure justice is done, my son will die in his place. But even that is not the end of it. Imagine if George Bush had pardoned Gary Graham and then not only pardoned him, but adopted him into his family, taking him into the home, treated him as a son. See, there are governors, aren't there, who who have pardoned criminals, but none that I know of that have then adopted them into the family and uh, welcomed them into the home. Our God not only has pardoned us, but has adopted us. And that is his great love, his rich mercy, his incomparable grace. And this is why I got this quote from Hosea, because let me read it as it comes up. Oh, how can I give you up, O Israel? This is uh, God speaking. How can I let you go? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy One living among you, and I will not come to destroy. Why does God have compassion on his people? Why does he divert his fierce anger? Because he is God and not a man. Because, he says, because I am the Holy One. His holiness here is not his kind of moral purity, but his his difference, his separateness. He's just not like us. He doesn't behave in ways that we expect. He is loving and merciful and gracious and kind. God could have pardoned us and left it there and for all eternity we would have been amazed at his grace but he also adopts us into his family. Now then, 
Next thing. What has all that got to do with community? And uh, I think the answer is everything. In fact, just in the last couple of weeks, differently, I just think it's more and more. This this has everything to do with community. This is the foundation of community. I often meet people who are excited about community. Uh, maybe they're kind of would-be hippies. Uh, maybe they are longing for friendship and inter- intimacy. But I want to tell you, unless you are more excited about grace, uh, you will never enjoy community. Not true Christian community. At best, you, get a, you may get a kind of Friends-style community. You know the uh, TV programme Friends? I think one of the attractions of that programme is this little group of friends who share their lives together and so on. But they're all young, attractive, middle class, extraordinarily, uh, they all work in coffee shops and live in the most amazing uh, uh, apartments. Some, I don't quite know how they pull that one off. But, but they're all the same, basically. You may enjoy something like that, where you kind of hang out with your friends, but you will never taste the kind of community that Paul is going to go on and talk about. A community that brings together people of different races and different classes and different generations, which testifies to the eternal wisdom of God, unless you are excited about grace. Because true community is rooted in a strong sense of God's grace to us in Christ. It's central, it's foundational. Let me suggest four ways, uh, as we close, uh, in which grace will make a difference to community. First of all, a community of grace will be a passionate community. Uh, Look at uh, verse 3 of chapter 1. It's not praise be, as uh, the NIV has, but blessed be. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. There's a kind of double movement of blessing. God blesses us and we bless God. He makes the first move, blessing us with every spiritual blessing in Christ and we respond by blessing him with our lips and with our lives. And then look at verse 6. See if you can pick out the refrain that goes through this passage. Verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 12. uh, In order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Verse 14. uh, Spirit uh, deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. To the praise of his glory. The first section is, uh, that ends with uh, that little refrain in verse 6 is about the work of the Father. The second section, uh, ending in verse 12, is about the work of the Son. And then the final section is about the work of the Spirit. The triune God has an eternal plan to glorify himself. And it's almost as if the Trinity are kind of outdoing each other to bring glory to one another. The Father glorifying the Son, the Son glorifying the Father, the Spirit glorifying the Father and the Son. They have this plan to glorify each other and we are that plan. We are the means by which God the Father glorifies his Son and the Son the Father and the Spirit the Father and the Son. Or look at uh, chapter 2 verses 6 and 7. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in, the kindness, in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
We were dead in our sins, but God has raised us up. Why has he done this? So that in age after age, from eternity to eternity, we might be the demonstration of his incomparable grace. People build great monuments to display their glory, don't they? They build pyramids. They build the Taj Mahal and so, and, and so on. And some of those have lasted for generations. But God has a monument to his grace that will last for worlds, for ages. I mean, not just ages as in a long time, but age after age. And we are that monument. I mean, the people in this room are that monument. For heaven's sake. (laughs) I mean, look around the room. What an astonishing monument, eh? And so Paul uh, opens this letter with this exhortation to bless the God who blesses us. And his language all the way through is laced with superlatives. He talks of every blessing, glorious grace, freely given, lavished on us, rich grace, great love, rich mercy, incomparable grace. He's moved by what he writes about. He feels it. stirs his emotions tricky thing to go for isn't it 10 to 10 but there we are and so a community of grace will be a passionate community a community that speaks of Jesus enthusiastically a community that speaks of Jesus boldly a community that sort of sings its heart out because it's experienced God's grace as Jesus says he who has been forgiven much loves much Paul says, as we've said already, that we once lived in the passions of our flesh because we were by nature children of wrath. Well, now we are children of God and so now we have a new passion. A passion for God's glory. The passion of grace. So uh, a community of grace will be a loving, uh, a passionate community and then it will be a loving community. Uh, Look at verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, And your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Paul gives thanks because God's grace is producing a loving community. Uh, And notice that Paul says it's your love for all the saints. Most of us don't have too much problem loving some of the saints. But people of grace love all the saints. Even the ones who wind you up, whose personalities clash with you, the socially awkward ones, the ones who cause you trouble. A friend of mine was telling me this week that when he's on his bike, he thinks of people as moving obstacles. Now, I think if you're a cyclist, it is probably a loving thing to do to think of people as moving obstacles. The problem is that many of us think of some people as moving obstacles uh, all of the time. They They are things that get in our way or uh, things that are best avoided. And so uh, I want you, as you think about uh, one another in the Christian community, uh, I think I've got a point that comes up now. I have, great. Uh, Remember God's grace to them. I remember my father reminding me when I was expressing some exasperation at somebody, I can't remember who it was, probably just as well, that this was someone for whom Christ had died. Wow, that changes things, doesn't it? Next time somebody is winding, somebody in the church is winding you up and driving you up the wall and you're fuming, just remember, this is somebody for whom Christ has died. I look round the room now. 
these are people for whom Christ has died. Christ loved these people, not some idealized people, you know, these people so much that he gave his life for them. How can you despise them or avoid them or wish they went to another church? Christ sweated blood for them. He took the lashes for them. He bore the taunts for them. He took the nails for them. He was cut off from the Father for them. So remember God's grace to them, but also remember God's grace to you. Remember the parable that Jesus told of the man who was forgiven a vast debt and then wouldn't forgive the small debt that was owed to him. He ends up with nothing. Remember the great debt of yours that was nailed to the cross. Remember the great gift that God gave to you. Let that be the measure of your love. This is the foundation of community building, isn't it? the cross of Christ. So a community of grace will be a passionate community, a loving community, and then thirdly, a humble community. Look at chapter 2, verse 8. We've already read these verses, but uh, let me read them again. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. No one can boast. It is all of grace. Now I'm sure that uh, uh, no one in this church says, I'm saved by my good works. God knew what he was doing when he chose me. I am sure your theology is better than that. But the problem is our theology often gets stuck up here and doesn't make its way down to here. And it's our hearts, uh, Jesus says, that determine our behaviour and our attitudes and in our hearts we can end up thinking we are better than other people we look down on others now we may do that very compassionately and patronise them Uh, the problem is people know when they're being patronised and they don't like it do they and we think we're being very compassionate so when we get a bit sort of uppity when they react patronising is what we do when we think we are better than somebody else but we think we ought to treat them with humility And it's no remedy at all. The remedy is to recognise we are not better than others. No one can boast. I am a sinner saved by grace. Or imagine a church where everyone is trying to prove themselves. Imagine you want people to think well of you or admire your good works. You may not be proud, but you want to reach the point where you can be proud. If that is what you, you are like... You will never serve God and you will never serve other people. All your actions will be self-serving because their aim will be always to make sure you are well regarded. Can you see the way that goes? Try I do that one again? If, you are, if, if you're motivated by a desire for other people to think well of you, then you will not serve other people or serve God because all the time you will be doing what you are doing to get the praise that you want from other people. They will be self-serving actions. Grace sweeps away all those mixed up motives. Grace gives us a true estimation of ourselves by nature. We are children of disobedience. And grace gives us a true estimation of ourselves in Christ. We are children of the living God. 
That is our identity and so we don't need to prove ourselves. We can rest on Christ's finished work. We can rest on grace. Uh, And then finally, community of grace will be a holy community. And uh, I want to uh, read from... uh, just reads from uh, uh, John Owen, the uh, old Puritan. A man who only opposes the sin in his heart for fear of shame among men or eternal punishment from God would practice the sin if there was no punishment attending it. How does this differ from living in the practice of the sin? Those who belong to Christ and are obedient to the word of God have the death of Christ, the love of God, the detestable nature of sin, the preciousness of communion with God, and a deep-rooted hatred of sin as sin to oppose all the workings of selfish desire in their hearts. Look on him whom you have pierced, and let it trouble you. Say to your soul, what have I done? What love, what mercy, what blood, what grace have I despised and trampled on? Is this how I pay back the Father for his love? Is this how I thank the Son for his blood? Is this how I respond to the Holy Spirit for his grace? Have I defiled the heart that Christ died to wash and the Holy Spirit has chosen to dwell in? How can I keep myself out of the dust? What can I say to the dear Lord Jesus? How shall I hold up my head with any boldness before him? Do I count fellowship with him of so little value that for vile lust's sake I have hardly left him any room in my heart? How shall I escape if I neglect so great salvation? What shall I say to the Lord? His love, mercy, grace, goodness, peace, joy, consolation, have I despised all of them? Have I considered them as nothing that I might harbour a selfish desire in my heart? Have I seen God, my Father, that I might provoke him to his face? Was my soul washed that there might be room for new defilements? Shall I seek to disappoint the purpose of the death of Christ? Shall I grieve the Holy Spirit who sealed me to the day of salvation? Allow your conscience to consider these things every day. A community that knows the grace of God will be a community that is passionate about holiness. So there we are. Uh, passionate, that's uh, next, next slide. Loving, humble and holy. You may want to reflect on this. We won't uh, go into discussion now. But uh, where is your church strong on those? And where is it weak? Where are you personally strong? If you look at that list. Passionate, loving, humble and holy. And where are you weak? What steps could you take to become more passionate, loving, humble and holy? Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is a trick question, that last one. Uh, I want you to know it's um, I haven't told you that you need to be passionate I've described a a community of grace will be a passionate community I haven't my heading wasn't you need to be a passionate community or you need to be a humble community though I think uh, it would be good if you were all of those things the problem is that if we pursue those things especially passion and humility they will turn out to be very elusive. If you, if you go out now thinking, yeah, you're right, I should be more humble, I'm going to be more humble, you'll find that very elusive thing to kind of pursue. 
They are the fruit of grace. So don't pursue humility, pursue grace. Don't pursue being, don't decide to be passionate. Decide to come back again and again to the grace of God in Christ. Put the cross at the centre of your life and your life together. And then these things will be the fruit of that. Come back again and again to the cross. That is what makes community work. Not purpose-driven strategies, not communication skills seminars, not anger management techniques, not gender awareness or race awareness training. What makes community work are people who never lose the wonder of the incomparable riches of God's grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And so I want to end by uh, coming back to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, you may have, some of you may have come across this, but uh, it's just a little movie uh, of somebody uh, extolling the virtues of our Lord. And then I'll put this up and we'll, I'll pray at the end.
Uh, Father, we may not be that articulate, but we pray that we might be that passionate. Uh, we pray that we might be people who know Jesus and go on knowing him, that know him more and more, and that just delight to explore all the riches of his uh, character and his work. We pray that we might be captivated by grace. We pray that this weekend we might fall in love with Jesus all over again. Uh, that he might be our heartbeat and uh, our passion, our desire. We pray that you will give us your spirit as the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we might know him better. That we might, uh, our, the eyes of our heart might be enlightened in order to know uh, the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints. Give us your spirit that we might know Christ better, we pray. And that we might appreciate his grace more. In his name we ask. Amen. Thanks very much, Tim. Um, that uh, completes tonight's session, and uh, breakfast is in a couple of hours. So, uh, <laughs> but thank you very much, Tim. That's been a real good start to the weekend, and thank you very much. Um, there is, I think, tea and coffee is that um, served throughout the time, actually, in the lounge. The lounge. So it's yeah. So serve ministry, uh, but that's just being supplied throughout. So do help yourselves to that. There are various lounges. There's also a television lounge upstairs, but that's reserved for match of the day tomorrow night. But uh, tonight, if people want to watch it, they can do what they like. Um, breakfast tomorrow um, in here between seven and nine, uh, and then um, it, sorry in that room there between seven and nine, um, and um, then a quiet time between nine and nine thirty. Please, if we can, if we're not even partaking in those notes, please do try and keep quiet during that time so that others can. Um, and if it's a nicer morning, there are plenty of areas in the grounds where you can just go out and sit uh, and, uh, and reflect. So uh, I think that's all the formal side. So please have a good night's sleep. And yeah, one thing Hilary was saying, um, I wasn't so keen on this announcement, but if there are any problems during the night that people want to alert us about, room 44, um, um, not for this, and uh, hopefully uh, there won't be. But uh, if there are any problems, don't hesitate to contact us. Okay, have a good evening.